a couple of things I am excited about at the moment. I'm, I'm excited that we're finishing off this One Small Step series, not because it's been a series that we're not excited about, but the next one's going to be amazing. We're doing a five-week series starting next week, uh, which is called Words to Live By, and we're ta- basing it in the book of Proverbs, and we're looking at key things that go on in people's lives, and we look at what does the Bible say, the wisdom of God say about how to live uh, these lives. So if there are people who uh, you might have in your orbit that you say, man, I'd, I'd really love to bring them to church, great series to do that. And uh, we're really going to get into what life is all about as a follower of Jesus. I'm also excited because coming up on the 23rd of September is our 100-year celebration. And uh, we've been advertising that, and you will have by now registered for your seats. You guys at the 11 o'clock, you really need to do this. Let me tell you why. Um, You know how we've got it on the 23rd of September, it's a Sunday, and what we're encouraging us to do is if there are people who we know, friends maybe or family members who used to come to the street years ago or Elizabeth Street or even Tory Street, invite them back and say, hey, come back and celebrate with us. And I know some of us are doing that and we're we're having a little dinner or something on the Saturday night. Well, my father-in-law is happening to do that as well. And uh, if you know Harvey, my father-in-law, you'll know that he never does anything by halves, so he's invited 150 people for dinner. (laughs) And uh, he's actually booked uh, Silverstream retreats, and they're doing a big dinner out there. But the amazing thing is this, is with the connections he's got with the book he wrote, um, there are people who were at this church 50, 60 years ago who are saying, I want to come back. And I want to come back, and I want to just remember what God did. Maybe these people who were saved here. Maybe God really spoke to them. Maybe they were sent out on mission from here. And so particularly at the 11 o'clock service, there could be up to 100 people. Some I know there's one lady who's coming who's in the 90s. And she's coming because she wants to come to remember, to celebrate what God has done through uh, the ministry of you, through the ministry of this church over the years. So uh, when we say register to make sure you've got a seat, we mean it. Right, So get online and register so that there is enough spaces and uh, just know that that Sunday is going to be so rich in the, the history and the heritage of what God is doing. I'm also excited because on the 1st of September there's something which is quite special. You know how Tom and Jamie write some songs that we sing every now and then? So on their heart God's laid it to actually produce an album of all the songs that they do. And so I'm just so excited that they're finally at that point where they want to do that. But to do it, uh, they need to raise the funds to make an album. And on the 1st of September on Saturday, they're doing a fundraising concert here. And so they're going to talk around what God, how God led them in writing the songs and give the stories to those. And then uh, we get to celebrate and worship through those songs and then also give to make sure that they can get the money they need. So if you want to come along on Saturday, the 1st of September, I encourage you. It's going to be a great evening. I'm excited about that. I'm excited uh, that the music which God is producing through this place will then be available a lot wider than what it currently is. That is cool. So I'm excited by those things. I'm also excited for the gospel. And I'm excited that the good news of Jesus transforms lives. And I want you to hear a story this morning of someone whose life has been transformed by the gospel. So I want to welcome Dave Zora up to the stage to tell the story. Let's welcome him. Thank you very much, um, Brother Nick. Thank you very much for having me on board on the stage today. It is um, it is such a privilege uh, and honor to briefly share my uh, share with you my story of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which goes like this. 
My name is Dave, and I am from the land of Ur of the Chaldees, which known as Iraq. In Iraq, I grew up in the Catholic faith. Catholicism was still, to our recent day, and it will remain a religious system of beliefs which requires of its followers to do good works. And these good works is do list and ticking the boxes in order to earn the way to heaven. And also to be loyal to the Catholic magisterium and to obey what they teach in regards of the spiritual welfare of the follower and day-to-day living. In a nutshell, it is a man-made opinion and a man-made religious system of beliefs that will never get you to heaven or will never can get you saved. They teach the gospel of works and not the gospel of grace. So the story, my story goes like that. In 1994, I crossed the border to Jordan, Amman, because of the war that broke out in Iraq. In 1996, I immigrated to the blessed land of Oterewa, New Zealand. I had a brother who lived in Syria, a refugee camp. My brother's name, Auni, and he has been approached by a family member, shared with him the gospel, responded to the love of Christ. He experienced the forgiveness of sins. He's been born again, and he devoted his life to Christ. So God's plan works quite perfectly. Wait to God's plan in your life. So my brother immigrated to New Zealand. While he was in New Zealand, he shared the gospel with me. The gospel that enables me to be saved and to get me in heaven with 100% assurance. My brother Auni, he took only a small step to share with me the gospel and he was so courageous and I thank God for him that he shared with me the gospel. Why he shared with me the gospel? Because he loves me and he don't want to see me lost for eternity. And that is a fact. Any question I would ask, he answered me from the Bible until one day we told him, my wife and I, we want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives as our personal Lord and Savior. So please come and pray with us. And he did so. My life being changed by the glorious work of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he sets me free, being forgiven of my sins. I'm a born-again Christian now, saved eternally from the penalty of my sins by faith alone, through the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, through his precious blood alone, and I have eternal life. Now, my brother, when he came to our place, he used to open the Bible, and I like this. He opened the Bible, and he shared with me too many verses. Some of the verses he shared with me. According works and grace, verse grace, and um, how we can get our way to heaven. Book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, 
there shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin Ecclesiastic chapter 7 verse 20 for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not Ephesians chapter 2 8 and 9 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that is not of yourself it is the gift of God not of works here we go not of works lest any man should boast we have the belief of purgatory in the Catholic faith purgatory is a temporary place where I have to suffer for my sins for a temporary time but till when who knows only God knows so contrary to the Bible the Bible teaches us that it is appointed unto men once to die after that there is judgment there is no intermediary place and that's in Hebrew chapter 9 verse 27 Hebrew chapter 10 and 12 but this man he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and his spotless sacrifice but this man Jesus Christ after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever he sat down on the right hand of God for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified me you and all the people who put their trust in the Lord will be perfected forever through one offering spotless without blemish sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ so you don't need to suffer for your sins anymore concerning everlasting life through faith in Christ my favorite verse John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life my life being changed being impacted my love to people has been changed I love people more my relationship being impacted I'm a new creation in Christ and praise God for his complete work on the cross and bless you all thank you every now and then I go out for dinner with Sarah and we sit across from each other at a restaurant and gaze into each other's eyes and in that right moment in the, the middle of the dinner I will you know, lean forward slightly and I'll say darling I love you and then she says these words she says tell me more <laughs> and usually there is nothing in my mind at that point it's like I say well I love you she says, well why okay. and here's what happens in my mind <laughs> and after a number of years of utter failure in, in the romance department across, you know, across dinner tables I, I came up with a cunning plan and that was I knew we were going out for dinner so the night before I'd allot an hour so I could sit down at my computer and try and come up with some reasons and then, then I had them in my mind I was prepared for that question and, oh it, it was so good you know if someone comes to you and, and, you, and they say to you I'd, I'd, I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ and they say to you how do you do that I wonder what goes through your mind it's often the case that when followers of Jesus are asked, how do you become a Christian, that what goes on in people's minds is, and we have no idea. 
Or we have some idea, but it's not clear. It's not clear enough where we can either very briefly or to some degree of detail explain exactly what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And in this third week of our one small step, we're going to answer this question, can you explain the gospel? And by the end of today, the answer will be, yes, you can, because I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to tell you how you can explain the gospel. I'm going to do it over the next 15 to 20 minutes, and then I'm going to show you how you can do it in 10 seconds, in 20 seconds, in 30 seconds, and in 40 seconds. And you can then take it from there. But this will give us that detail. So, here we go. You ready? Great. So, I go to my happy place, a whiteboard. Right? Now, here we go. So here's the gospel. goes like this. There is us, and there is God. God's purpose for humanity was to have an abundant, blessed, eternal life. We know this because in three verses, just to give you as a summary, John 10, 10, Jesus said this, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Right back at the beginning of the Bible, it says God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. In other words, the earth was not there as some sort of random cosmic burp. The earth is not around as some sort of thing that we can just simply utilize and abuse. The earth was given for us to look after. The earth was entrusted to us as humanity to care and tend for God's creation. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. The whole ecology is part of God's divine plan and purpose. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw it was very good. So God's purpose is for us to be the, the tenders of his creation. And in John three sixteen, as uh, Dave just said, this is how God loved the world. He gave us one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And there is the challenge. Because you see, When God created us, he did not create humanity as some mindless, robotic-type entity that just simply blindly went along and did whatever God said. God gave us choice. He gave us the choice to embrace our relationship with God or to exclude ourselves from God. And God, God has given us that, and he's given us the dignity of having choice. It's our divine right. He created us with the capacity to choose. He created us with the dignity to choose, which means, of course, that whatever we choose, we bear the consequence of our choice because choice results in responsibility. And the choice to exclude God, to not believe God, means that there is a natural consequence, that we are separate from God, and that separation from God is known biblically as sin. And so what we then have, instead of us with God, we have this chasm between us. There is a gap between us, a broken relationship between us. 
The Bible tells us this in a number of different verses in terms of our problem. The first one of those you'll find in the book of Romans where it says it's your sins that have cut you off. No, that's Isaiah actually. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. Romans chapter 3 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And when you, when you look at it diagrammatically in this form here, that's quite right. Instead of us being in relationship with God, we fall short of God. Another definition, an accurate definition of the word sin, is to miss the mark. And if the mark is for us to be in relationship with God, our separation from God means that every time we try to connect with God, we miss we miss the mark. Wages of sin, it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the fact that there is good news and there is bad news. And I love the fact that right hard on the heels of that bad news, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So not only is there a problem, there is a solution. But before we get to the solution, to enunciate the gospel, we need to actually look at our attempts. Because we, we try many different ways, and humanity has sought many different ways to bridge this gap, to find an answer for the created desire we have for purpose. Because every single one of us has a desire for purpose. We have a desire for significance. We have a desire to live for something more than ourselves. That is a God-given thumbprint. And when people are saying, I feel like I need to live for something more, they're actually describing a God-given thumbprint, even if they don't recognize that. And so many people try many different things. And here are some of them. Some people try to get back to God by good works. They'll fight for injustice. They'll do things which are incredible on the humanitarian um, stage of the world. You'll find people who are fighting for other people's rights. You'll find people giving themselves to make the world a better place for people. They will do good work after good work after good work. And there are, there are followers of Jesus who do this. There are, there are people who are not followers of Jesus who do this. They are all wonderful things, but the, what they will not and cannot do is bridge the gap between us in our relationship with God. Yes, they can make the world a better place, but no, they will never bridge the gap. Something else that people do is they say, well, what about religion? What if I come to church? What if I get baptized? What if I take communion? What if I pray? What if I read the Bible? What if I hedge my bets and try three or four different religions and mishmatch it all together and, and surely you know, chances are odds on one will be right in the end and I can, I can sort it all out. Let me try religion. Yeah, religion is all about things that I do. As if, I, if I do something, then maybe God will accept me. There's really no difference between religion and good works. At the end of the day, it doesn't bridge the gap. Another thing which people try is we try... Morality. We try to live a good life. 
And we, we define good life however we want to define good life. And then we say on the grand scale of things, I've got two scales. This is the good stuff for me. This is the bad stuff for me. As long as that side's slightly higher than that side, then odds are by the end of my life, if I stand before God, if he's real, then um, surely he will have to accept me because I've lived good. And maybe that will get there. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, which says, There is a path before each person that seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. There is this inescapable reality that sin separates us from God. And sin has a consequence, it has a wage, and that's death. And nothing we do can bridge the gap. So we've come up with another way. And this is actually not new, but it's, it's um, having a, a resurgence in the recent past in the Western world particularly, and that's this. Instead of saying, how do we get to God? We say, actually, you know what? I'll just rub God out. And if God doesn't exist, then I don't need to worry about all this. It's all about me. And I will live my life all about me and what I want and what I need and therefore I can create my own reality and my own existence and I can convince myself that this side doesn't exist. But it doesn't deal with that quiet little niggle that often screams in the heart that there is more. There is more. And so... We need to come back and say, but there is God. And God didn't want this, which is why in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the Son of Man, that is God, came to seek and to save those who are lost. So, what's the solution? Well, where we've got it at the moment, remember, this is just simply explaining the gospel. This is telling us how we give our lives to Jesus Christ. And it's the background to it all. We're stranded without any way of getting back to our Creator. We learned before that the wages of sin is death. Therefore, for us to conquer this gap, we need to die. The problem is this. If we die, we lose our life and death wins. And so our payment would cost us our life, which would mean that we're no better off. In fact, we're worse off because there is no way that we can do that and still be alive, which is where Jesus Christ comes in. You see, he is the only answer. He died on a cross and he rose again from the dead, paying the penalty for our sin and opening the way back for a relationship with God. He made a way across the cross, which is why... The cross is so important. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. 1 Peter puts it this way, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. Here's the thing. All of this is separating us. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, God took all of the wages of our sin, death and its eternal consequence, and put it on him. And he suffered for our sins. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. His phys- he suffered the physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit, which is why that song we just sang before is so profound. Death could not hold you down, for he is risen. 
You see, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ never happened, we might as well pack up and go home because we were at best just doing religion. The problem is we've been worse than that because we'd be deceiving people. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There is a way back. There is a way to restore the relationship with God. There is a way for the purpose for which you and I have been created to be reclaimed, to be renewed, to be brought back again into its fullness that there would be nothing that would separate our relationship with God, and it's the cross of Jesus Christ. So what's our response? Well, John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us all who believed in him, interesting right at the beginning, what separated us was our choice not to believe him. So all who believe in him and accepted him, he gives the right to become children of God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You see there, those things, it's, this is a, a, an open thing. This is a public thing. That Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, I will follow him. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. When there's the linchpin, again, the Bible doesn't try and skirt around the resurrection. It says that's the linchpin. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then that wonderful verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's the question. And you're sitting with someone and chatting away, and you're saying to them, or saying to yourself, whereabouts would you put yourself in that picture? Where would you be? Maybe you're someone who is, now watch the art, this is brilliant. Stunning, eh? Maybe you're someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ in your relationship with God. Maybe you would say, you know what? I'm over here. I know I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. I know that I'm on this side, and I I think this might be all there is. And, And one of the challenges we have sometimes is to introduce people to the realities of what a relationship with God is all about. A lot of people I I meet would put themselves here or somewhere along there. And usually the reason for that is is they're banking on some of these things to be the bridge. They say, you know what, I I think maybe my good works or maybe maybe my religion, maybe my attendance at church or maybe these things, maybe they're the things which are helping me and Hopefully they will be there. I want to tell you this, the the thing that we do as followers of Jesus is we say, you know what? All of that's just a waste of time. Come to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And the question then is, is there any reason why you would not surrender your life to him right now? If somebody then says to you, well, okay, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I believe all that to be true. I, or I have this strong conviction in my heart. I don't understand it. I can't answer any question. And by the way, if someone says to you, man, but I've got all these questions which I want answered before I will give my life to Christ, I, I encourage you to encourage them to say, you know what, you'll never answer all your questions. I've got questions. I find the longer I go on, the more questions I've got. But this I know to be true. He loves me.
This I know to be true. The cross is sufficient. This I know to be true. He has paid the price. So therefore, might say, well, how do you give your life to Jesus? Well, what's my response? Firstly, admit you're a sinner. Secondly, ask for forgiveness and be willing to turn from your sin. The Bible calls that repenting. Thirdly, believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and then receive him as Lord and Savior. You know, it's as simple as praying. And you might be saying to me, hang on, wait a minute, before you said praying doesn't get you across there. No, it depends what you pray. And here is an expression of the heart to say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead, so I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, guide my life and help me to do your will in your name. Amen. There's the gospel. There it is explained in 13 minutes and 26 seconds. Let me explain the gospel to you in about 10 seconds. You know, some people will say that, that um, coming to God is all about the things that you do. It's actually not. It's all about what Jesus Christ has done. There you go. Gospel. Ten seconds. Right? Here's another way of doing the gospel. You know, some people say, if, I, if, if you want to come to the gospel, it's a religion. And so a religion is all about going to church. It's about reading your Bible. It's about praying. It's about all those things. I want to tell you, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God. And God loves you so much, he wants to have a relationship with you. There you go. There's the gospel, the good news, in about 25 seconds. Right? I can do the gospel in about 40 seconds by this thing called go-go. And you might say, what on earth is go-go? Right? Here we go again. You ready? Okay, so go-go goes like this. Hmm. Um, right. How's it go? God's purpose for you is that you have life in all of its fullness. Our problem is that we've sinned and we're separate from God. God's solution to that is he sent Jesus Christ to come and die in your place on the cross that you might have life. So our response is that we would turn to him and we'd surrender our life to him. There you go. Gospel, 40 seconds. How about that? Right? Then there's other ways of doing the gospel, which is thing called the Romans Road, which is a whole lot of verses through the book of Romans. You can Google it and you can find Romans Road. You could also Google Bridge to Life, which, by the way, is this here. Well, there's another one called Four Spiritual Laws. Why do we throw all of those up there? There are many ways that I tell Sarah I love her. I've prepared. Yeah, there are many opportunities we will have if we allow the Lord to open our mouths and open our lives to people that we love to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes you might have 10 seconds. Sometimes you might have a couple of minutes. Sometimes you might have a, a jolly good conversation for an hour or so. Be prepared. Find different ways to explain it. We've been telling the life group leaders that this week, if you're in a life group, that one of the things we'd love you to do is to actually sit there and go through that. And you might find your life group leader on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whenever your life group is, they might turn to you and might say, hey, um, you know, Sarah, could you please explain the gospel using the do-done scenario? And if someone comes up to you in your life group this week and they go, would you do a go-go? You'll know what they mean. Right? It's not some kind of weird dance. Why are we doing this? Because we believe it. Why are we doing this? Because our heart breaks for people who don't yet know Jesus. Why are we doing this? Because we want to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. To give a clear answer. To give a concise answer. To give a precise answer. So, 
Where to from here? Two things. Firstly, I wonder where you are at on this board. I wonder if you are in relationship with God. I wonder if you're searching. Or I wonder if you're simply saying, well, I don't even know if all this exists, so I'm kind of on this side. Where are you at? It's great to have you here. What I want to do in a minute is lead us through giving our lives to Jesus. And for you, this might be the first time you've done it, or it might be something that you did a while ago, but right now you say, actually, you know what? I, I need to just re-give my life to Jesus. I need to just refresh my commitment to him. I'm going to lead us through a prayer, and at the end of that, I'm going to say, if, if that was you, would you just raise your hand? Well, every eye will be shut. But just you and the Lord just say, yeah, God, that was me this morning. I'd love to meet you at the end. Then I'm going to get us to stand. And we're going to spend a bit of time praying because as a church, we are passionate about reaching as many people as we can with this message of life. It's inconceivable to us that people who we love would be in our world who wouldn't hear this message and have the privilege of being able to choose and the dignity of being able to choose. And I say, well, I don't want to offend anybody with this message. You know what? We're actually dignifying them by giving them the opportunity. And our prayer is that they would come to Christ because this doesn't change depending on your result, on your answer. So we're going to pray. And I want to invite you to, to call out in prayer. And as we do that, there are many different languages. You know the great thing about eternity is that people from every nation and tribe and people and language will be there. And so if your heart language is not English, I encourage you to pray in your heart language. And wouldn't it be wonderful to have people of different languages praying and that God who hears all would hear. And let's pray for our world. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our neighborhood. Let's pray that God would lead us. And then we're going to respond in worship. So that's where we're at. Okay, let's bow our heads. For you this morning, this might be your moment. We say, God, I... Yeah, I don't fully get it yet, but I get it enough. I understand enough that I want to surrender my life to you. And if that's you, I encourage you to borrow these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that just while your eyes are shut, would you just raise your hand and say, that was me this morning. Praise God. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Now for those of you who raised your hand, praise the Lord. We'd love to talk with you. Before you go, come and see Sarah and myself and Jamie. We'll just be up the front. And we'd love just to give you, a, give you a Bible, give you something to help you grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. Would you all stand?